Amen. All right. Um, it's good to see everybody this evening. Let's see if we can swap over here for a minute. Praise God. Probably waiting on me to change something out here. All right. Praise God. Come on in, guys. We're going to pray. We just started the camera, so we will um, pray and get started here as everybody's filing in. I know it's sometimes... Anywhere you want to sit, brother, obviously other than with the... Uh, <laughs> yeah. Okay, praise God. Anybody else behind y'all or just y'all two? Okay, amen. Two more. All right, let's... Um, uh, well, we'll chat for a minute while we're waiting on everybody to get in, get in here. So um, first verse of the night, we're going to go back to Isaiah 51 and 16. So if y'all want to kind of start there, it's good to see uh, everybody. I know um, sometimes getting here right at 5 is a, it's a strange time on a Wednesday, um, early evening, late afternoon, so I appreciate um, everyone's effort and welcome to all of you who are joining us online. Let me go ahead and put the title slide up for tonight. Um, this is class 15 and uh, we're going to finish talking about three heavens and then uh, spend some time talking about the kingdom of God. And a lot of people when they hear or think of, you know, the kingdom of God, they, they tend to think of heaven, you know, going to heaven when we die, but the Bible's very clear that the, Jesus brought the kingdom to the earth, and God's kingdom is here with us, and so um, we will talk about <clears throat> that as it relates to um, what the Bible uh, says to us about the uh, three heavens. So anyway, let's, uh, <clears throat> let's pray. And, and we'll get started. Father, you are so, so good to us. And Lord, based on what your word says, uh, we're all doing much, much better than we've come to understand uh, up until this point. Uh, Lord, you have done so much for us. You have given so many things to us. Things, Lord, that belong to us because we're your children, Lord, that we don't even know yet are ours. And so, Father, we thank you for this uh, uh, discovery process that is discipleship, Lord, for the uh, invitation and opportunity to do life together with you, Jesus, to learn from you, not just learn about you, to be taught by you and by your Holy Spirit. And so, Father, I thank you tonight that your Holy Spirit is with us. We thank you for his anointing, his enablement, his empowerment upon our lives, upon the words that will be spoken here. Father, as we say so often, we, we're not just looking for information tonight. We're asking that you reveal things to us that you open up our eyes and unlock our understanding, Father, to see and receive and embrace and understand things, Father, that we've previously uh, been blinded to or been uh, hidden, uh, Lord, from us. And uh, we thank you, Father, for the effort that's represented both present in the room as well as those that are joining us online. Father, you're a rewarder of those who diligently seek you. And so, Father, I thank you for the effort uh, that's being put into seeking you, Father, during this time together. Lord, thank you for your great love for us. Thank you, Father, that you've been so patient with us, that you've always believed the best about us, Father. You're faithful to us even when we're not faithful to you. And so, Lord, we thank you for that. And, and, and you are so trustworthy. And so we put our trust in you now as we look into your word. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Praise God. All right, so let's uh, begin just a <clears throat> quick review from last week. And if you weren't with us last week, you're probably going to need to go back and, and watch that particular class because we, we covered a lot of ground, maybe even tried to pack too much in uh, for uh, one session, but I was just trying to, to get 
as much out there about this subject as I can because it's a subject that, um, sadly enough, uh, a lot of God's children have never heard or, or do not understand or have never heard any teaching on it. And we know, of course, that God created the heavens and the earth. And, and we see that in Genesis uh, chapter 1. But what I think we often miss is that it doesn't say heaven and earth, but the heavens, plural, uh, meaning more than one, and earth. And so a key verse <clears throat> that we looked at last week, and we'll build on a little bit more tonight, I'll put it up on the screen. Isaiah 51 and 16, God speaking, he says, And I have put my words in your mouth, and I have covered you with the shadow of my hand, that I may plant the heavens, lay the foundations of the earth, and say to Zion, you are my people. One more time, God says, I've put my words in your mouth. So his words, <clears throat> his words in your mouth, and then he's going to cover you with the shadow of his hand so that he can plant the heavens. Now, we, we looked at the verses, we're not going to turn back to them <clears throat> in Isaiah 55, where we see that, God sends His Word down from heaven, the highest heaven, the third heaven, to you and me here on the earth below. And so we see that, in essence, God is speaking His Word from the third heaven side of things um, down to us on the earth. But this key factor, and I hope we emphasized it, and I hope we made the point clear enough uh, last week, but... Um, God said that His Word will not return void. And you hear a lot of people throw that phrase around. Um, God's Word won't return void, Pastor Mark. And, and, and yes, that's true. But it, it won't return void when it's returned. Um, and so the, the imagery there, the, the, the example there, is when the rain falls to the earth and the plants take it in and then release it back into the atmosphere. So it's, it's, a, it's a completed cycle where it, it comes from above, falls to the earth, and is returned back um, to the sky. He says in the same way, that's how His Word works, that when His Word is received by us and then returned back to Him, that the power that's in it to both prosper our lives and accomplish things in our lives is released. And we use the example of a seed. A seed has tremendous potential in it, but that, that seed... Um, it has to be activated, and the potential that's in that seed has to be released. And as long as the seed sits on a shelf, you know, what it can accomplish will never be accomplished. And, and, and Jesus explained to us in Matthew 13 and other places that His Word is like that. It's like that seed that has tremendous accomplishing, prospering power within it, the Word of His power. But if we don't understand how to tap into access, activate, release that power, uh, it'll for the most part go unrealized in our lives. And so notice that God is speaking His words. You think, well, if, if, if it's God's words, why don't He just speak them? You know what I'm saying? Well, He is speaking them from His side of things, but this, the cycle again is completed when He puts His words in your mouth and, and in my mouth and then covers us with the shadow of His hand and so now he's using you and me as an instrument to speak his words back into the heavens. Now, why, why is it important? What, this whole idea of his word being you know, spoken into the heavens, to plant um, the heavens with the word of God. Well, what we explained last week is that 
um, demonic forces try to control what is happening on the earth by controlling the first heaven or the lower heavens, the atmospheric heavens surrounding the earth. And so I know we're not going back to all these verses, but just to remind you that we're not just talking about altitude here. When we talk about the first heaven, the second heaven, and the third heaven, we're talking about something being above something else. The third heaven obviously is above um, the first heaven, but not just in height, okay? It's above it in authority. It's over it, okay? Not just because it's higher than it, it's over it uh, in the sense that it controls what's going on in the lower atmosphere. So, I don't know, we'll probably, um, well, we'll look at it in a minute. I've got it down here in, in my notes. So, so let's, let's real quick, like, um, let's review this. We said the three heavens are these. You've got the lower heaven, or what we would call the atmospheric heaven. If you've ever seen um, a, 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 a photograph from outer space um, looking back, at, at the earth, um, if you catch it just right with, with, with the reflection of the sun, you can see this thin blue line that goes all the way around. And that, that is the lower atmosphere, the atmospheric heaven. Uh, that would be the first heaven. Then you have the planetary heaven, um, which we would perhaps refer to as outer space. And then beyond that, we have the third heaven. And we looked last week at how that's also uh, where paradise is now located. Uh, we also see in the book of Revelation and other places that this is also where the throne of God is. The third heaven um, is, is the throne of God. Um, my uh, wife's uncle, he was uncle to me as well, um, he fell asleep uh, on this side uh, yesterday at about 7.45 p.m., and he woke up in that third heaven to be absent from the bodies, to be present with the Lord. He, he, he crossed over. Amen. And so we have these three heavens. And one verse that we looked at was we said that the heaven over me, which is the atmospheric heaven, that's the one that's over us, has a heaven over it. Has a heaven over it. Now, let's, let's take this because... This is more than just something to be curious about or to say, well, you know, that's pretty neat to know. Maybe I'll impress my friends back in my home church with that. No, no, that is, it's not, that's not what we're learning this for. We've got to understand our role in all of this. We've got to understand how it is that we function in all of this. Father God putting His Word in your mouth and covering you with the shadow of His hand so that He can plant the heavens, right? Um, let, me, let me tell you what function that is, it's going to be one you're very familiar with, but maybe have never thought of it in this light. What he's actually talking about there is prayer. He's talking about our ability to pray, our ability here on the earth to access the resources, the power, the wisdom that, that, that belongs to God uh, in uh, the third heaven. Like, for instance, Ephesians chapter 1 and verse number 3 says that God has blessed you with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, okay? So you've got stuff in those heavenly places that we have to know how to access, that we have to know how, you know, um, the psalmist said it this way, you know, I look to the hills from which cometh my help. Well, he wasn't just talking about, you know, 
uh, must go to Hill over there in Bessemer. He's, he's talking about this higher place where our help uh, comes from. Now, let me, uh, I don't think we looked at this verse last week. I may have mentioned it. Um, so, lower heaven, planetary heaven. For those of you who are watching online, I apologize. I left you hanging there. <laughs> and then the third heaven. I didn't transition those slides over, so praise God. All right, so let's go um, to Ephesians chapter 2 and verse number 2. Ephesians 2 and verse 2. Notice it says, in which you once walked, talking about our behavior before uh, Christ, B.C., in which you once walked according to the course of this world, <coughs> excuse me, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. Right? So notice now we know that, that um, we do not wrestle, we do not struggle, we do not fight against flesh and blood but against principalities, against powers, in other words, against demonic spirits. And those demonic spirits um, are not hanging out in hell, um, you know, uh, drinking Budweiser or whatever. Like, you know, sometimes you get this idea, you know, they're just kind of down there having a party or something and every now and then decide to surface and, and, and create havoc here on the earth. Um, but they exist in the lower atmosphere surrounding the earth. Now, I don't want to go too far down this uh, road, but there's coming a day when they're going to be punished. But that day hasn't come yet. If you recall, when Jesus went to cast the, the legion of demons out of this young man in a place called Gadara, um, when, uh, when Jesus was, was, was you know, in a boat going to that, uh, uh, I think it's an island, uh, at least he was accessing it by water. When he got close to that region, we see that a storm came out of nowhere to try and uh, sink that boat, kill Jesus, drown Jesus, drown uh, you know the disciples. And of course, Jesus sleep in the boat. He wasn't stressed out about that. And, and he got up and he rebuked that storm. Now, I'm offering to you that that storm was not you know some kind of meteorological event as much as it was devils and demons, you know, trying to manipulate, again, prince of the power of the air, trying to manipulate uh, and ultimately prevent Jesus from getting to Gadara to set that man free. They had a, a stronghold uh, in, in that man that had taken them a while to establish, and they didn't want to lose it. But of course, when Jesus steps out of the boat onto uh, the, the land there, they begin to cry out. Those demons begin to cry out. And one of the things that we see that they said was, um, hold on a second, are you going to torment us before it's time? See, the devil knows that he is on, a, on the clock, so to speak. In other words, there's a clock ticking, and there's coming a time when, uh, determined by God, amen, that, that he will be punished. And so when... When a demon is cast out of a man or a woman, the Bible makes it very clear. They don't go into what we see in the book of Revelation, the abyss. They don't, that's their place of eternal torment. And again, if, if they were ever going to be sent there, Jesus would have sent them there. Why did Jesus not send them there? He didn't send them there because it wasn't time to send them there. So what did Jesus say? Jesus said that they, they wander around in dry places. 
Okay? They wander around, and, and remember the Bible says, Jesus said that they're going to come back, and if they find the same person, uh, you know, swept clean but empty, they're going to make another run and, and try to uh, uh, repossess uh, that, uh, that person's life. I'm not trying to freak you out by all this. I'm just, I'm just you know, trying to show you. So remember, in this case, when Jesus cast them out, they, they said, send us into those pigs. <laughs> you know, in other words, Jesus says, you know, if it was time, Jesus would have said, I'm sending you the pigs, I'm sending you to the abyss, so you'll never bother another human being ever again. But again, this, it's, it's not time for that. So we see that um, we once walked according to the course of this world, according to the ways of this world, and the ways of this world are according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit, demonic spirit, who now works in the sons of disobedience. And so those devils and demons are in the lower atmosphere. If we're ever going to take authority over them, we're going to have to, and I'm going to plant the seed, and I'll show it to you in Scripture in just a minute, we're, we're going to have to access a position over them. Okay? All right? And so keep that in mind. Now, let's, let's, do, let's lay a little more uh, groundwork here. Um, in the book of Job, Job chapter 38 and verse 33, if you're um, familiar with the book of Job, you know that um, Job had friends who came to comfort him and they stayed around to judge him and, and condemn him. And, and uh, even uh, Job's wife you know, said, you just ought to curse God and die you know, I and mean, just get this over with. Um, there's a lot, I'll be the first to tell you, there's a, there's, I say a lot, there's a few things, really not a lot. There's a few things about the book of Job that uh, I don't fully understand. But I think sometimes we miss that um, Job had everything restored to him times two uh, in the end. And I think the, the one takeaway that we sometimes overlook is that um, even when Job didn't understand what was going on, he still trusted God. He, he still put his trust in God. And so, um, so, you know, Job looks to all these other people for answers and then he... You know, he has all these different conversations, um, but finally, um, he has a conversation with God. And God begins to ask him a series of questions that Job did not understand, that he did not have the answer for. Now, I'm not going to try to go into all that, I'm just going to look at this one question that applies to what we're talking about here and now, but what we can take away from that is that there are things that happen on this earth that we may not understand or have explanation for, but God understands and God has explanation for. Amen. So let me, let me tell you what I've come to know, okay? I've come to know that God is a good God. I've come to know that He loves me and He'd rather die for me than live without me. I've come to know that just like I want better for my children than I had growing up, and, 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 I, and I had it good growing up. I don't mean that like I had some miserable childhood. I had a wonderful, glorious childhood, beautiful parents that loved me, taught me to know God, taught me to live for God, okay? But it's only natural for us to want better and, and, and desire good things for our children. No, no parent ever gets happy when their kids get their car repossessed or get, they get evicted out of their apartment or whatever. That's, that's, that's not the heart of a, of a, of a father or a mother. And we have that heart, according to the Scriptures, for our children because it's, 
It's, it's a chip off the old block, uh, so to speak, of the heart that God has for us. God desires uh, good things for us. And there are a lot of reasons why, and I know a lot of times we ask that, well, why did this happen? Why did this happen? Um, and sometimes we, the Bible's very clear on it. Uh, other times it, there's things that we don't know because we don't know the person's heart that's involved in the situation. But God knows, and God has answers. And one of the things the Lord has spoken to me recently is that you can have peace when you don't understand if you trust someone who does understand. And God understands. And so notice this one question here that God asks Job in Job 38 and 33. He said, do you know the ordinances of the heavens? Notice there, there it is again, plural. Can you set or determine their dominion over the earth? Right? So what is God saying here to Job? He's saying, Job, there are unseen spiritual things that are taking place in the heavens, heavens heavenly realms um, around you that, um, that you don't understand. Do you understand how things in the spirit realm, spiritual laws, demonic spirits, angelic beings, do you understand um, how all of these things work in the heavens? And can you set or determine their dominion over the earth? In other words, the influence, the effect, the impact that they have over the things that are taking place here upon the earth. Remember, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against spiritual forces of, of, of darkness, uh, demonic spirits. That's where our real battle lies, if you will. Um, you know, let's say you've got a situation where somebody's just, you know, uh, annoying you, all right, and maybe you want to, uh, you know, try to, uh, you know, do something physically against them to try to get them to stop. See, you got to, you got to slow your roll back up for a minute, okay? Um, behind every physical thing that the enemy's, you know, trying to use against you, there, there is a, a devil, and we don't have authority over what people choose and do, but we do have authority over demonic spirits that would try to manipulate them and use things against us. Are you still with me tonight? Okay. So we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. And, and so I think if you look at Job, he was looking for, and even Job's friends were looking for um, you know, physical answers, visible answers, tangible things, you know, material things and, uh, to try to point out what, what was going on with Job when what was really going on with Job was uh, something spiritual in nature a spiritual attack um, against him. Now, let's go to Daniel, the 10th chapter, because what we find in Daniel chapter 10 um, are among some of the more amazing and interesting verses in all the Bible. And the Bible's full of amazing and interesting verses. But I say that about these passages because we have a glimpse into the ordinances of the heavens here. We have a glimpse into how the three heavens affect what happens here upon the earth in a real-life, real-case um, scenario. So let me, without reading verse after verse after verse, let me try uh, to give you a little bit of an overview, okay? Daniel was a political prisoner. He, he actually um, was, was taken uh, captive. Um, when, when we say that, that Daniel was a slave, that would be accurate, but he was not a slave like out doing back-breaking work in the sun. Um, 
when Babylon came and, and took Daniel and, uh, and, and many of, of his uh, friends and, and, and fellow countrymen, um, they came not just to get a labor force, but they came to get the very gifted and talented. Um, uh, uh, in other words, Daniel served in government. Daniel, um, you know, the, the wisdom of God upon God's people, uh, you know, they were groomed, uh, you know, to, to serve in, in high levels. Uh, it, it's, it's, it's what the devil's trying to do today. I mean, how, how many times do you see, and I don't want to start calling names because I don't, I don't want to sound judgmental, but so many of, um, you know, the, 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 the musical... Um, uh, stars, secular musical uh, singers, bands, what have you. Uh, do you ask how many of them started out singing for God? How many of them started out singing in church? How many of them, again, all talent like that comes from God. I mean, God gives somebody the ability to, to, to do these things. Uh, and, and, and yet we see that so many of them uh, wind up using the gifts and talents that God gave to them uh, for uh, the world and for and for money only money. Uh, there's nothing wrong with making using the gifts God gave you for money, but again, if it's leaving God out of it, there, there's there's a, a a real problem there. And so we see it in we see it in in our world today. It's exactly what Babylon was trying to do: was trying to get you know people that were gifted and talented, uh, uh, intelligent, what have you, uh, by you know all this for God and God's purposes. Uh, they wanted to hijack all of that and, and bring that into Babylon and exploit that for their own purposes. And Daniel, uh, he, he rose above them all. I mean, th th there was a time in, in Daniel's uh, life and ministry where he was among three individuals that basically ran the whole empire. And the Bible says <laughs> that the king really considered just putting the whole enchilada uh, un, under Daniel's authority, that that's the, the the Bible says he had a spirit of excellence on him, and uh, we could talk a lot about Daniel. But in the in the particular situation that we're going to look at right now, it's not when Daniel went to the lion's den. If you remember, people who were jealous of him and hated him, they were trying to you know manipulate a system where Daniel would be executed for his faith, and and of course God delivered him. But in this particular situation, Daniel. Uh, had found in the scriptures, follow me closely now, Daniel had found in the scriptures where some things that were supposed to have already happened for God's people, things that were supposed to have already come to pass uh, for God's people had not yet come to pass. In other words, the Bible had promised these things, but they were not experiencing them. They were not enjoying these things. And so Daniel got very serious about it. Uh, he's like, wait a second now, God, this is what the Bible says. Remember, remember what we've said in here multiple times, okay? If the Bible says your life's supposed to look like this, and instead your, Bible's, your, your life rather is looking something like this, down you know, beneath that, less than that, okay? Don't water the Word down to match your experience. Let the Word of God bring your experience up to, to match it. Are you following me, okay? That's the mistake so many people make. They say, well, you know, the Bible says this, but... You know, uh, it, uh, uh, it must not mean that. Or it, it, my, this is when I say my favorite, my favorite in the worst possible way is when people say, well, God doesn't do that anymore. 
You know, all of a sudden, you know, for generation after generation after generation, God was extremely interested in prospering His people, in blessing His people, in protecting His people, in healing His people, in making His people wealthy, right? But then all of a sudden, He decided that he, you know, He's not interested in it anymore? I mean, come on now. You know, um, so again, you know, the Bible says we're supposed to be living here. Our life reality is more like down here. Don't start saying, well, God didn't mean that. That's not what it says. No, no, it's what it says. Let the Word of God bring you up instead of you trying to bring the Word of God down to match what you're experiencing. And so this was basically the situation with Daniel. The Word of God said this, him and his people weren't experiencing that, and so he got serious about you know, answer and breakthrough in these areas. And so Daniel went on what we now call a Daniel fast. Anybody ever heard of a Daniel fast? Okay, a Daniel fast is basically when you don't eat basically vegetables and water. Um, no, no fancy meats, no bread, no, none of these things. Uh, just, uh, you know, uh, barely enough, I guess, to sustain yourself. Now, I have no problem, please, don't misunderstand me. I have no problem with uh, someone doing a Daniel fast uh, today. Uh, if the Lord leads you to do it, then jump on it and do it. But the one thing you have to understand about Daniel is he didn't say, all right, God, I'm not, I'm not going to eat any uh, sirloin or chicken or, <laughs> you know, for 21 days. He literally said that stuff again until I get an answer. Uh, and it was going to take 21 years, you see. So that's, sometimes I think we, we lose that in, in our understanding of what a Daniel fast is. I think, personally, um, that's why Daniel didn't say, I'm just going to completely fast, because you know, he was committed to do it no matter how long it took until he got the answer. Okay, are you with me? All right, so let's go to Daniel chapter 10 and, um, and verse number, uh, let's start at verse number 12. So um, <clears throat> let me, man, I, I didn't follow up enough here. So finally, um, after 21 days of prayer and, and fasting, we see that an angel shows up with, uh, with Daniel's answer. And so here is uh, the interaction between Daniel and the answer, uh, between Daniel and the angel who brought his answer. So then he said to me, the angel said to me, do not fear Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before your God, <coughs> excuse me, your words were heard, and I have come because of your words. Man, that's, that's encouraging right there, okay? Notice he didn't say, well, you know, we had a soccer match going in heaven and we, you know, we couldn't finish, you know, we, I, I, we had to get that finished up, then we had to clean up, and so we, we you know, we got the prayer, and, and um, but, you know, I didn't respond immediately. I, after, you know, three or four days, I decided, well, let's see if we can't get Daniel some help. No, notice that Daniel prayed, and from the first day that he set his heart to understand. Okay, now this, this is, listen to me please, okay? I'm not trying to uh, intimidate you by this, uh, far from it, all right? But um, we'll, we'll talk about this some more in our, in our Wednesday evening service. But, but God looks on the heart, and God knows our hearts. And it wasn't just because Daniel was fasting, but it began with him setting his heart to understand. 
Okay? We would call this a commitment. We would call this a priority. We would call this um, a quality decision, okay, that he's not going to back down from until he gets an answer, okay? And so, do not fear, Daniel, for from the first day you set your heart to understand. So, notice the importance here, setting your heart to understand, and then to humble yourself before your God, to humble yourself before your God. How, is, how did Daniel humble himself before his God? He humbled himself through fasting. So we've got to understand that, that fasting is, is a way for us to humble ourselves because, you know, I guess technically we can eat anything that we have access to, uh, but when we choose to limit what it is that we consume, th this is a way of, of humbling ourselves. And then he says that your words were heard, okay? Now, why am I emphasizing all this? I'm emphasizing all this because I want to encourage you that your words are heard in heaven. When you set your heart to understand and you humble yourself before God and, and you pray to God, your words are heard. And notice he says, and I have come. This angel has come to Daniel with his answer because of Daniel's words. Now, I know it's obvious, but I want to point it out, okay? Where was Daniel when he was praying? Was he, was he in the first heaven, second heaven, third heaven? No, he was on the earth. He was on the earth. And he was, and now, <clears throat> I don't want to confuse you on all of this, but when we pray, the Bible says this about prayer in, in 1 John. He says that, that if we pray according to the will of God, we know that we have whatever we ask, right? So is praying according to God's will for our lives very important? You better know it is, okay? All right, so the question then becomes, well, how do I know what God's will is in this situation? It's a great question, okay? And so a lot of times we, we need to begin our prayer and praying with, Father, Show me what your will in this situation is. But let me, let me give you um, a secret, two, two secrets, okay? Two, I don't want to call them shortcuts, but here is a way to really um, almost lock down guarantee that you're praying the will of God for your life in a situation, okay? It's to pray what God has already said to you about that situation. The will of God and the Word of God will always line up with one another. They will always agree with one another. So if you can ever find something that God has said about your situation, okay, and by the way, He has said things about every situation, then this is when you can pray effectively and with confidence that you are praying according to the will of God. If you pray the Word of God, all right? So I said two. That's the first one. The second one, and we'll talk about this in the days ahead, but the second one is when you allow the Holy Spirit to give you words in a language you do not understand. The Bible says in that situation, when we don't know how to pray as we ought, the Holy Spirit will make intercession for us with words that can't be spoken in articulate speech, with groanings that cannot be uttered, right? And in the process, we'll pray through you a prayer that is in alignment with, in agreement with the will of God. All right? Because the Holy Spirit searches the heart of God and He knows the will of God for every situation. So 
we've, we're in a, we're in a uh, Romans 8 where you find all these verses, okay? Um, but we're in a situation where we don't know the will of God, okay? I was talking with someone today, and, and they've got a decision to make about a relationship. Well, you know, you, you can't like turn into the Bible, you can't go to this, some scripture in the Bible and, and says, um, thou shalt marry James, uh, you know, whatever's last name, whatever, I'm, I'm making that up, That's, I'm not betraying anyone's confidence, I'm just saying, in, words, in, in these situations, we know the Bible says that if a man finds a wife, he finds a good thing for his life, he obtains favor from the Lord, it's not good for man to be alone. The Bible has a lot to say about marriage, okay? But when it comes to a specific situation, are you following what I'm saying? Well, we've got to pray according to the will of God, but what if we don't know what the will of God is for that situation? And we're struggling, and part of us wants one thing, and another part of us wants another, and it's hard to tell what God is saying. Pray in the Holy Ghost. Amen, because the Holy Spirit knows. And, and He will pray uh, a, a prayer in agreement with um, the will of God. So when Daniel is praying, we know that he's praying about a situation that he found in the Word of God, right? Where God's Word said, this should be happening, you should be experiencing this, you should be living on this level, and they weren't. And so we know that when he's praying, he's doing what the, what the Scriptures say. God says, put me in remembrance of my Word. Remind me what I said. Not that God's forgetful. We are. Amen? Um, but remember, there's power in God's Word. So now, God has already said these things from heaven, about his people, okay? Now, what is Daniel doing? Daniel is taking that word in, and he's returning it back um, to the source from which it came. It's returning, he's returning that word back to God. Amen. And notice, the angel said, from the first day you set your heart to understand and humble yourself before your God, your words were heard. It wasn't that God didn't hear. This is important now. It wasn't that God didn't hear the prayer. He said from the first day. Now, again, I've, I think I've mentioned this to you already, but we're 21 days, we're three weeks into this now before the answer shows up. Well, what, did he get tired? Did his chariot break down? Did, he, did his horse go lame? I and mean, what happened? Why did it take three weeks? Well, let's, let's look at this. Verse uh, number 13. He's, well, let me start back at 12. Then he said to me, Do not fear Daniel. Do not fear, Daniel, for from the first day you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard. And I have come, I have come because of your words. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days. Withstood means fought against me. And behold, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me for I had been left alone there with the kings of Persia. All right? Now, he's like, what? You know, what in the world is this all about here? Okay, well, let's talk about it. So this angel, right, um, Daniel's prayers heard, and God sends him, sends this angel uh, from the third heaven, with Daniel's answer, to the earth. But when this angel makes it to the edge of the lower atmosphere, the princes of the power of the air start to fight against him to try to keep him from getting Daniel's answer to Daniel. Now, the other reason why this is such a very important passage 
is because we see that based on this, in the demonic realm, just like in the angelic realm, there, there is a hierarchy, there is chain of command, there is rank and file, um, there are some demonic spirits that are more powerful than others, so forth and so on. And so we know that the, the prince of the kingdom of Persia, we also know that, that demonic spirits uh, try to affect areas and regions and, and, and governments, okay? Um, I've mentioned this a time or two in our Wednesday evening service. Uh, we've been talking about a merciful heart on Wednesday nights here at Heritage. And I know, again, some of you are so busy. Uh, it, it, the sermons are free of charge. They're on the website. They're on my Facebook page. They're on our Vimeo channel. Um, but people have a tendency to be very harsh and judgmental of those who have uh, leadership over us, people in, in government. And, um, and listen, if you disagree with somebody's politics, the Bible says pray for them, don't, don't judge them. But one of the things that we pointed out in the course of our Wednesday evening study is that there are very powerful demonic forces that try to bear down upon leaders of governments. This is why the Bible says that we should pray for those who have the rule over us, that it may be well with us. Why is that? It's because people who have leadership and rulership over us have the ability to make decisions that impact us or affect us negatively. And we see that... So one of the things that I have noticed, especially in our Supreme Court, is that we have had um, some you know, very conservative justices appointed to the Supreme Court, but once they got in that position, their rulings are more anti-God, more, um, are you following what I'm saying? Completely uh, opposite crossways to what is otherwise a career-long uh, conservative record of, of, of making judicial decisions. Are you following what I'm saying? Now, I, I, again, I'm not mentioning anybody's name because I'm not trying to judge anybody, but those of you who follow these things closely, you know exactly what I mean. And, and you say, man, I'm so disappointed in them. They had the opportunity to, to make this ruling, and they didn't. They had this opportunity to, 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 to change some things that, that I believe are, are going to bring uh, further problems. on this. Listen, look at history. And what happened to nations that started killing babies and saying it was okay? I'm just telling you. I'm not trying to condemn or shame anybody. I'm just telling you. It's a problem. It's a very, it's a very, very big problem, okay? Um, and, and so, you, you know, my prayer is that these things will, will be overturned and that, and that righteousness will prevail. And, and you get people and politicians in place that you think, finally, this is going to happen. And then all of a sudden they start making decisions that are completely contrary to the decisions that they've made their entire judicial career. I'm telling you, it's demonic influence. So here we have a prince of the kingdom of Persia. The kingdom of Persia is a physical kingdom, okay? The Medes and Persians. Maybe you've heard about them in history. But he's not, he's not talking about the, the man who oversees that empire. He's talking about the, the ranking demon that has been assigned to that empire to try to influence that empire for the devil's agenda, right? So now here comes 
this angel with Daniel's answer, and we see that there was literally war in the heavenlies, where now all of a sudden they're fighting him, not allowing him to, to break through with the answer. And so, <coughs> excuse me, so, so what happens? Michael, whom we know to be an archangel, again, uh, uh, a ranking... Uh, uh, <laughs> I'm going to say it anyway because I'm laughing now and you wonder how I'm laughing. I want to say a bad mama jama, right? But anyway, amen, praise God. I mean, this, this ain't you just, uh, you know, uh, average angel here. This is a hoss, right? This, this is a, a warrior. And so he comes and, uh, and he puts a beat down on the uh, king of Persia and basically takes over that fight <clears throat> so that the angel, we don't know his name, can actually come through and bring uh, Daniel, his answer. Okay? Now, there are some things that are implied here that are not clearly stated. So anytime I, I skirt the edge of something, I'll, I'll give you that kind of language. It's implied. What's implied here is that what Daniel was doing for 21 days was affecting this battle in the heavenlies. Okay? I don't think it's a coincidence that um, this battle goes on for 21 days and Daniel's continuing to pray and fast for 21 days. All right? So now he breaks through and he brings Daniel the answer. Now, let's go down to verse number 20. All right? Verse number 20, then he said, he's, this angel is, is speaking to Daniel again, he says, do you know why I have come to you? And now I must return to fight with the prince of Persia and when I have gone forth, indeed, the prince of Greece will come. Wow. So notice now, he had to fight to break through with an answer. And now he's like, all right, Daniel, I'm, I'm heading back, okay? And, and I'm so thankful that, that, that Father God allowed this angel to say these things to Daniel and, and inspired Daniel to record them for us. Because really this, I mean, obviously we have all kinds of references, but nothing else anywhere in the Bible that's exactly like this as far as giving us a glimpse into what's really going on out there, so to speak. Okay, So notice Michael fighting so he could get through. He knows that on his way back, he's not just going to have to deal with the prince of Persia, but now the prince of Greece has come to back up the prince of Persia because he's trying to keep this angel from breaking back through the first heaven and, and making the trip back to the third heaven where he originally came from. Am I the only one that, that finds this fascinating? I mean, I, this is the Bible now. This isn't some storybook. This isn't some uh, you know, science fiction, fantasy novel or whatever. This is the Bible, man. This is, this is what's going on um, in the spirit realm all around us. Okay, now, I've got good news for you. Um, <clears throat> what we see in the Old Testament has been dramatically changed for us now in the New Testament. There are still three heavens, but Jesus brought the kingdom of heaven from the third heaven to the earth. Okay, I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself, but... Do you remember this message that was preached by John the Baptist, then it was preached by Jesus, and then it was preached by the 12 um, uh, uh, apostles, and then it was preached, 12 disciples, then it was preached by the first 70 missionaries. Same message, repent, 
For the kingdom of heaven is where? Anybody remember? At hand. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. All right? Now, think about that for a minute. At hand. At hand as opposed to where? At hand as opposed to three heavens away and a 21-day angel fight with fasting to get an answer from. Okay? Now, let's go to John chapter 1. I get so stirred up about this stuff, man. Praise God. Listen, I, I don't have time to really expound on this right now. We will get into it in later classes. But you are a key player in all of this. You can do things and say things and stand on the Word and confess things and, and believe things that, that absolutely affect and impact what is happening in the spirit realm around us. You have the ability to shift the atmosphere. Let, let me just try to show you a, a very simple, a very simple, but I think every person listening to me right now can relate to this, a very simple uh, um, example of what I'm talking about now. Have you ever walked into a room and the tension was so thick you could cut it with a proverbial knife. You know what I'm talking about like this? You didn't hear anybody fussing. You didn't hear anybody, uh, you know, hollering, screaming or whatever or, or, or in strife with one another. I mean, you just walked in. But yet the atmosphere in that room. See, the Bible says where there's envy and strife, there is confusion in every evil work. Jesus identified Satan as Beelzebub. Beelzebub, loosely translated, means the Lord of the flies. Jesus wasn't just throwing shade at the devil by calling him the Lord of the flies. He was revealing something to us about how the devil works. I can walk out my back door with a plate of ribs to put on my smoker covered in tinfoil, aluminum foil, and there will not be a fly in the universe as far as I'm concerned until I remove the foil from those ribs. Now all of a sudden, something has been released into the atmosphere that is attracting the flies. It's drawing them to it, right? Okay. So when Jesus identified Satan as the Lord of the flies, He's wanting us to understand that in the same way there are things that we can do that will attract the angels to us, there are things that we can do that will attract the Spirit of God and the presence of God to us. Okay, There are also things that we can do and things that we can say, things that we can participate in that will attract demonic spirits to us. You see in this, right? So we can literally affect and influence the atmosphere that, that's, that we are surrounded by, either for, the, for, for God and for good, or for the devil and for darkness. Amen. See, we, I, I had the opportunity to, to speak to the directors at the Foundry this morning, and we've got some men and women in the audience now that, that, are, that are participating in, in that ministry. And, and, um, and one of the things that I said... Uh, to the directors this morning is that I, I've been a part of the Foundry, been privileged to, to, to participate 
uh, down there in, in, in classes and teaching now for many, many, many years. And um, I'm not sure I have ever seen the level of spiritual engagement any higher, okay? And, and a lot of that has to do with the men and women in this room right now and, and the uh, spiritual atmosphere, the spiritual climate that you guys and gals are setting by your own walk, by your own stand, by your refusal to participate in, uh, uh, in things that are beneath you, uh, but you're holding a standard high, you're setting an example, you're, you're living for God, you're seeking God, and, and because of that, other people's lives are being affected by the spiritual atmosphere and climate that, that you men and women and others, there, I know there's others that are, that are what I, when I say leaders, I don't just mean dorm leaders, Thank God for dorm leaders. Thank God for big sisters that, that have, you know, those kinds of roles. Um, but I'm, I don't mean that kind of leadership. I'm talking about the spiritual leadership where you're setting uh, a, a spiritual standard, a spiritual uh, example. And, and, it, and it's affecting the atmosphere, right? Because while you're attracting the Spirit of God, the presence of God, angels, right, you're at the same time because, see, Devils and demons don't want to be around happy people worshiping God. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you, you make devils sick at their stomach. Amen? And so, um, but again, we've, we've got to be aware of this. Sometimes people say, hey, Pastor Mark, pray for me. I'm, 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 I'm going home to visit my family. And, you know, it's been a while since I've been back there and stuff. And, uh, uh, and, and what I tell them, Amy? What I tell you? Go shine on them. Go shine on them, Right? Amen. Greater is he who's in you than he who's in the world. Come on now. Greater is he who's in you than he who's in the world. And so when, when, when we show up in these places of darkness, we're the, we're the salt of the earth. We're the light of the world. We're, we, we have the ability to shift the atmosphere and the spiritual climate uh, in, in, in places where, where we go, right? I don't know who originated this. It's, it's pretty simple, but it's also clever, and I think it, it bears mentioning, okay? Um, there's a, difference, there's a difference between a therm, thermometer and a thermostat, right? And, and a thermometer just, you know, reads the room, <laughs> you know, and, and tells you what, what temperature it is in the room. A thermostat, what does that do, right? A thermostat changes the climate in the room. Amen. And so, Father God wants us to be Holy Ghost-filled thermostats. Amen. Where we don't just read what is going on. And, and reflect what's, what's going on around us, but we are instrumental in changing it. Praise God. All right, I feel better. I needed to say all that. Now, John chapter 1. Have I, have I said John chapter 1 yet? John chapter 1, 51, 30 minutes ago? John 1 and 51. I haven't said that yet. Okay, all right. So I'd love to read uh, most of the first chapter of John to you, but I'm going to try to um, stay concise with all of this. Um, in John chapter 1... Some of the first disciples are, are coming to Jesus, and there's this you know, whole conversation um, you know, ab about him and who he is. And, and um, <clears throat> Philip is, is uh, you know, wanting Nathaniel to, to be introduced to Jesus, and, and, um, and he's not sure about it. And, and part of it is because they knew enough about the Bible to know that the true Messiah would, would be born in Bethlehem and Jesus, of course, hailed from Nazareth, but we know that he was born in Bethlehem. And that, that was kind of a, uh, you know, one of the ways that, that um, the Holy Spirit and Father God you know, worked in that situation, fulfilling those prophecies. And so when, 
um, he comes uh, to, uh, to, 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 is introduced, Nathaniel's introduced to Jesus, um, Jesus said of him that, Behold, an Israelite in whom there's no deceit. So, in other words, Nathaniel had this, you know, he wasn't a deceitful man. He was a man of integrity. He was a man of, of excellence. And had, you know, and, and um, Nathaniel was like, how, how, how do you know me, Jesus? I've, I've never met you. You know, how do you know me? And Jesus says, well, earlier today when you were sitting under the, the tree, I saw you, you know. And, and I don't know what that was all about, but what I do know about Jesus is if you've got inside stories and even inside jokes with your friends, you know what I'm talking about? Um, let me, without going 20 minutes into it, do uh, you remember when Jesus first met some of these guys? They'd fished all night, and Jesus says, hey, drop your net on the other side of the boat. And they're like, we fished all night, Jesus. You're a preacher. We're fishermen. Uh, we know how to fish, and there ain't no fish here. Okay? They fished at night because they fished with nets, and the water was clear. And so if you try to catch fish on a you know, clear water with a net, they're going to run from you every time. And, um, and so, but they said, nevertheless, because you're asking, we'll be polite. Our mama raised us right. We're going to be courteous here. And they threw the net in the water, and they caught more fish in one catch perhaps they'd ever caught in their lives. Now, fast forward, Jesus is raised from the dead. Um, he's appeared to them a few times, but they don't know what to do next. And so Peter says, I'm going I'm to do what I know. I'm going to go back to fishing. So they go back to fishing, and they're out there fishing, and all of a sudden, they see somebody walking early in the morning. They see somebody walking along the, the seashore, and they think he's maybe like, I don't know, just a, a neighbor or a tourist or somebody walking along. And, um, and of course, Jesus asked the question, you know, that you would expect somebody to ask uh, a bunch of guys out in the boat fishing, right? Are they biting? Are you catching anything? And, of course, Jesus knew they weren't. But they didn't know at this moment that it was Jesus, right? They didn't know it was Jesus. <laughs> it's so cool. I'm just trying to show you something about him, right? Um, and, uh, and so he says to them, <clears throat> have you tried the other side of the boat? Man, can you imagine? You talk, I mean, Hollywood can't come up with this kind of stuff, right? Have you tried the other side of the boat, guys? And they're like, oh, it's Jesus, right? You know, it's woohoo. You know, it's because they caught 153 fish, drug them ashore. Jesus already had fish on the grill. Uh, we talk about the Lord's Supper. That was the Lord's breakfast, man. And that's when he restored Peter and all these other things. And so, you know, he had that inside thing with them. So I don't exactly know what it was about Nathaniel under that tree. But when he said, when you was under the tree earlier today, I saw you and Nathaniel. I believe his eyes got big as saucers. He said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living. Right? And he's like, you're the Messiah. You're, you know, you know. He's like, what? You know, it's like, and Jesus said, do you believe because I said I saw you under the fig tree? Right? You're going to believe because, I, because of that? What's, well, let me tell you what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying, Nathaniel, if you're going to believe because of that, let, let me just go ahead and tell you, son, you ain't seen nothing yet. Right? I mean, Jesus knew before this thing's over with, you're going to see a man raised from the dead whose body had already started to rot. Okay? Now, but, but notice what Jesus says in verse 51. And he said to him, hopefully everything I've said up at this point tonight is going to help you understand this verse better, okay? And he said to him, most assuredly, I say to you, most assuredly, I say to you, hereafter, you shall see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. Right Now, <clears throat> I've told you this multiple times, I'll tell you again, okay? 
When Jesus says most assuredly, that means he's fixing to say something that's going to seem impossible. He's going to say, say something that to your natural mind is going to seem so far-fetched there's no way it can be possible. So when he says things like, most assuredly, I say to you that um, uh, he believes in me, right? You know, and, and then have eternal life and all these just huge statements. See, for us, I don't think we get the most assuredly here. Because we think, well, what's the big deal? Angels coming back and forth, you're the son of God. Why wouldn't they? All right. So notice, though, you've got to put yourself in their position because what they understood was an angel leaving heaven fighting for 21 days while somebody on the earth is praying and fasting just to get an answer to a question. That was what they understood. Not angels coming back and forth at will. Not angels ascending and descending back and forth without uh, any hindrance. You follow what I'm saying? So this is why Jesus says most assuredly to them. To us, it may not seem like a big deal, but to them, Jesus is like, okay guys, brace yourself because I'm fixing to tell you something that's going to be very hard for you to believe. From this point forward, angels will be coming back and forth from the third heaven and ministering to me and for me and around me. Right? Wow. Now, <clears throat> let's go to Hebrews 4. Thank you, Jesus. You get anything out of this tonight? Can I go ahead and tell you that this is how it is for you and me now? That the angels come back and forth like this for us because of what Jesus has done, because of the victories that He's won, because of the battles that He fought and won for us. This wasn't an archangel who came and stomped a mud hole in them. It was Jesus Himself who came and defeated them. All right, now, <clears throat> let's go to Hebrews 4. I'm going to show you some verses now that you may be familiar with, but hopefully, again, building on what we've said up to this point are, are going to make uh, more sense to you and carry more meaning to you for you, okay? So, Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 14. Are you good? Everybody okay? Amen. All right, it's already six minutes after six, so we're coming down the home stretch for this class already. Praise God. Don't seem like it's been over an hour, does it? Man, it just goes by so fast. That's what I try to tell people about these classes. They think an hour and 45 minute class, I ain't no way, dude. But, I mean, it's, you know, it, just, it just seems to zoom by, at least for me, and I think it does for a lot, of, a lot of people communicated that to me over the years. All right. So Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14. Check this out. So, seeing then that we have a great high priest. Who's our great high priest? Jesus. He's our great high priest. <coughs> Notice it says who has passed through the heavens, okay? So now, see, before I understood all this, I read that verse I don't know how many times. It, it didn't mean anything to me then. Passed through the heavens, okay, whatever. But what does that mean? Passed through the heavens, meaning he has uh, penetrated first, second, and third heaven. He's created, uh, uh, remember the whole Jacob's ladder thing, you know, where, where he saw this vision of these angels coming back and forth, right? What? Okay, well, here, here's the fulfillment of it. Seeing that we have a great high priest who's passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are yet without sin. Let us, therefore, come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. All right? So notice now, He's talking about you and me 
finding and obtaining mercy and grace, help in our time of need. Daniel found himself in a time of need. Okay? But we see that the challenges for him to receive an answer from heaven much different from what they are for us now. All right? <clears throat> Let's go to Colossians chapter 2. And in uh, verse 15, I apologize for those of you. Wait, let's, yeah, I read all those verses. I just didn't put up on the screen. Amen. <clears throat> all right. Let's go now uh, to Colossians chapter 2 and verse 15. <clears throat> Colossians 2 and verse 15. Now, let me, let me try to orient you to what's going on here. If, um, if you're familiar with the Gospels, you know that <clears throat> on the third day when Jesus was raised from the dead that they came to the tomb not to celebrate His resurrection, but to uh, basically um, pack Him in uh, spices and give His body a proper burial. Uh, they didn't really... The Egyptians did some rudimentary forms of embalming and that sort of thing, but that was not necessarily something that would have, would have taken place with, with Jesus. But instead... They would pack them, their body, and wrap their body really tightly in like, I hate to make it simple, but like potpourri. You know what I'm saying? Like, like stuff that would smell good because, again, when a body started to, uh, to decay, uh, you know, horrible odor. And that was just, you know, kind of the way that they showed respect and that sort of thing. And so the, the women went, not, again, anticipating him to be raised from the dead. As a matter of fact, we see that among their conversation was, you know, we're going to do this, but we have no idea how we're going to get that stone out from in front of that tomb so that we can, you know, give his body a proper burial. Well, they come and they find the tomb empty. Um, <clears throat> they, of course, you know, grave clothes folded, uh, undisturbed. And, and uh, in, in one account, we see that there was an angel there who said, look, you know, it, <laughs> he, he's not dead. You, you're looking for somebody uh, who's alive uh, in a place where they keep dead people. Why seek the living among the dead? Um, and he told him, look, go, and, and, and there's more to come on this. All right. Well, Mary was um, very distraught about it, and, and um, she saw someone, you know, twilight, early morning, she saw someone that she thought was the gardener, you know, the groundskeeper. And she's crying, and she's like, look, if you know where they've put his body, would you just please tell me? And... Um, and of course, we know that it, it was Jesus. And, and Jesus said to her, you know, Mary said her name. And when he said her name, you know, she knew. And of course, she did what would just be natural. You know, she wanted to grab hold of him. But remember what he said? He said, no, 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 don't, don't, don't touch me. Um, you can't touch me now. I'm, I'm going to my father. Tell, tell everybody I'm going to my father and to your father. Um, now, what we know, of course, is that Jesus ascended into heaven to pour his blood out on the altar there. And that's why, now, once he returns with a glorified body, people are hugging him and touching him and feeling of him and all that stuff. But he was in, again, I apologize if this is the, is the wrong word, but he was in what we might refer to as a state of limbo at this point, okay? Um, his being. And... And, of course, he couldn't be touched and contaminated or anything like that. Um, but think about, if you've ever wondered about the love that God has for somebody and, and, and the heart that Jesus has, here, here is a lady that, you know, had been brought out of such misery and sin and, 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 
and uh, just set free from the devil and all this other stuff. And, and she's hurting and she's broken. And Jesus is, I mean, I think it's safe to say that, that, that the, the business Jesus is taking care of, <laughs> come on now, I guess what I'm saying. It's not like he's just got somebody important, you know, waiting for a phone call or something. I mean, this is, this is like, you know, some of the most important business. As a matter of fact, we're going to call it business. This isn't just business, this is business, right? I mean, it's some of the most important business that, that, that ever could be, quote unquote, interrupted, right? Um, <clears throat> but Jesus is going to take time out of his important business to give a word of comfort to somebody that he loves. You can't touch me now, okay? Um, I'm going to my father, and, uh, but, but, but you'll see me. Just go and wait, and, and, I, and I'll, I'll be there, okay? Now, what we know, of course, is that when Jesus passed through the heavens, are you seeing this, right? Remember now, the angel who had to fight to get here then had to fight to return. So now you've got demonic spirits who thought they had killed him. They thought they had won their greatest victory. The Bible says if they had known what they were doing, they would have never laid a finger on him. But their, their bloodlust, their, their, their hatred, um, their rage, um, they, they, they fell right into the trap that God set for them when they killed Jesus. And now they thought they had him, but they don't have him anymore. So now, if I could just simplify all of this, now it is all hands on deck, so to speak, from the devil's perspective. We cannot allow him to get to heaven and complete what he's about to complete. We have got to stop him at all costs. Okay? So when Jesus is passing through the heavens as our great high priest to become our great high priest, I believe, now the Bible doesn't say this, but it, it, does, it doesn't say it to the extent, well, let me just read the verse and then we'll talk about it. Praise God. Colossians 2 and 15. So it says, this, having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. Okay? Now, on the New King James translation level, this is a pretty cool verse, but when you start digging down into it, you see that it's talking about something a little bit differently than what maybe it seems to say on the face value. Let me um, give you the Weist translation. This is spelled W-U-E-S-T. The Weist translation is more of a, of a literal translation. And the Weiss translation reads this. It reads, Having stripped off and away from himself the principalities and authorities, he boldly made an example of them, leading them in triumph in it. Okay? Stripped off and away from himself. Stripped off and away from himself. This is what it means, disarmed principalities and powers. He stripped off and away from himself, all right? So here is what I, I think this verse is saying. I believe, matter of fact, I'm going to be more confident than that. I, this is what I know this verse is saying. I want you to imagine for a moment that Jesus has now um, raised from the dead. He, he is returning to heaven. 
He's going to pour out His blood on the altar there, present Himself as our high priest, as our eternal sacrifice, one sacrifice for all sin, um, before the throne of God. And now, um, all of these principalities, these demonic spirits in the lower atmosphere, they're going to do everything they can to try to stop Him from making that return trip. Okay? Remember now, you've got the prince of Persia, but in order for the prince of Greece to come with the prince of Persia to try to prevent Daniel's angel messenger from returning, that means the prince of Greece is going to have to leave his post. Are you seeing this? In other words, if you understand rank and file, if you understand military and all this other stuff, when, when you're given a territory, you, you don't leave that territory. It's got to be dire circumstances. It's got to be an emergency if you're going to leave your assigned position to, to, to join somebody else and, and, and give them backup or support. So I believe, because again, it doesn't say disarmed a principality. It doesn't say that he stripped away from him a prince or a couple of princes. It, it implies here, the way this is written, that it involved all of them. And so if you could just allow me, and let you ask the Lord about it, okay? Um, but this is what I believe happened. Jesus is trying to make this return trip. And once the demonic spirits realize what has happened, they all congregate in the lower atmosphere to try to prevent Him from breaking through, passing back through the heavens and completing what He you know, set out to complete. Which meant, um, as Paul Bear Bryant said one time, trailing big time at halftime, boys, we've got them right where we want them. Okay, that's what he's saying here. We've got them right where we want them. Because now that they've all come together to try to stop him, this is when he defeated them. Not some of them, not most of them. This is when he defeated them all. He made a public spectacle of them. All right? Oh, that does something for me right there. He made a public spectacle of them. He demolished them, okay? And the victory, now let's back up because, praise God, what we have to remember in all of this is that Jesus did not do this for Himself. He was always over those devils and demons. He was, they were always subject to Him. They were never a threat to Him. They were, they were never, he never like, oh, I hope those, hope those devils don't make it to the third heaven one day and start, no, no, he never, right? Why did he do it? Or, or more importantly, who did he do this for? He did this for me and you. He did this so that we could be victorious over them. This is why he did it as a man. You've got to understand this. This is so important. What Jesus did on this earth, He did as a man. Philippians 2 says He set aside everything that made Him God. And somebody said, you know, how does He do that? Well, when you're God, you can do things, right? He set aside everything that made Him God and He became a man. He, he, he defeated the devil as a man. For Him to have defeated Him as, as Jesus, as, as the eternal Son of God, right? Um, that, that would have, I don't mean to downplay it, but that's, that would not have been that big of a deal, okay? 
I mean, that, that would be like your favorite college team playing a, a little league peewee football team. And, and it would even be worse than that, right? But he defeated him as a man because, see, it was a man who turned the keys over. It was a man, Adam, who bowed his knee to the devil and gave the devil authority over this earth. And if, it, if that authority was ever going to be given back to a man, it was going to have to be a man who took it back. And that's exactly what he did. He did it for you. He did it for me. All right? Let's go to Hebrews chapter 7. Praise God. Where does the time go? Hebrews chapter 7 and, um, and verse number 26. Okay? Hebrews 7 and uh, 26. Here's another verse, okay? He says, For such a high priest was fitting for us, who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, and has become higher than the heavens. Okay? Again, higher than is not a measurement of height or altitude. It's a measurement of power and authority. Which means then some of the most important words that Jesus ever had the opportunity and ability and the right, a hard-earned right and privilege to utter, are found in Matthew 28 and 18. And this is what he said. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Now, there would be some who may disagree with this statement, but listen to me, please. This was not something that could have been said before Jesus did what he did for us. Okay? He gave authority to Adam, and then Adam gave the authority that was given to him to the devil. Jesus came to take it back, and he did. Again, he always had authority over the devil. But his plan was not just for God to have authority over the devil, but for the body of Christ to have authority over the devil. The Bible says that Jesus will reign until every threat is put under his feet. Jesus is the head of the body. He didn't say until it's been put under my chin. You see, we're the body of Christ and the feet are the lowest part of the body. So he's going to reign until every threat, not has been put under him, but until every threat has been put under his body, and that means you and me. So Jesus came and spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. You know what he said next? So go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He has delegated the authority that he took back from the enemy. He did that so he could then turn around and give that authority to you and to me. Now, there's all kind of verses. We will we'll get to this at a later date. And so I decided tonight, for sake of time, to not go through all these verses. But let me just remind you that when Jesus was led away into the wilderness to be tempted, one of the three temptations that he overcame was when Satan showed him the kingdoms of this world and he said, if you just bow down and worship me, 
I will give you the authority of these kingdoms because they're mine to give. And of course, we know that Jesus did not um, do that. But what you have to understand is that Satan, I've had people tell me before that Satan was lying. That wasn't his to give. It absolutely was his to give, okay? And we see in the scriptures that it was his to give. But let me just point this out to you. If, if it were not the devil's to give, then Jesus would have known that and it would not have been a temptation, right? But it was, it was his to give. And not only was it his to give, it, it, that was what one of the things that Jesus came to do. Jesus came to take it back away from him. And the devil knew that, or at least was trying to figure out if, if that's what Jesus was there for, okay, what he had come for, okay. Um, and notice what is he doing to Jesus. He's offering him a path of least resistance, right? He's offering him an easy way out, you know. He's, he's basically, because the Bible says very clearly, Jesus knew what he was going to have to suffer. And so the devil's basically saying, look, man, them crosses, man, they, they, they ain't a comfortable one ever been made. You know, why don't, why don't you just bow down right here and I'll, I'll give all this to you and we can just, you know, Forget all this bleeding and being beaten and becoming people's sin and all that other stuff. But aren't you thankful that Jesus did not fall for that temptation? All right, let's go to Ephesians chapter 1 and verses 19 through 22. And then we'll, we'll go from there into Ephesians 2. So you might want to go ahead, if you've been just kind of making notes, you might want to turn uh, to these. Ephesians 1, we'll begin at verse 19. Now, there is a prayer, and basically this is the, uh, the, 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 the latter part of a prayer that begins in, I think, verse number 16, 17. And it's where, it's the prayer that Paul prayed for the church at Ephesus. I believe he prayed for all the churches. He said he never stopped praying it, okay? And I would highly recommend you becoming familiar with this prayer, and you begin to pray it over yourself, over your family, over your loved ones. Um, and it's basically asking that God give to them a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him, the eyes of their understanding being enlightened, that they may know what is the hope of His calling, what are the riches of His glory and the inheritance of the saints. Again, on and on. And then it comes to verse 19. So he's, the prayer is that we would know, amen, that the body of Christ would know these things, that we would know the hope of God's calling, that, that it would be revealed to us and that we would, we would have working knowledge and life understanding of these things. And notice verse 22, and that we would know what is the exceeding greatness of His power toward us who believe, according to the working of His mighty power, which He worked in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and seated Him at His right hand in the heavenly places. Okay? So where is Jesus seated? He is seated at God's right hand in the heavenly places. But notice it doesn't stop there. Verse 20 ends in a comma. So let's go to verse 21. He is seated um, at God's right hand in the heavenly places far above all principality and power and might and dominion. This is speaking of all the different levels of demonic forces. Jesus is seated above them, again, not just altitude, but in authority and power over them. And every name, he's over every name that's named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. 
you can sleep soundly tonight knowing that there will never be a threat to God or His power. There will never, there's, no, there's no alternative universe where there's another God who one day may threaten ours. Okay, He is far above um, every name that will ever be named. Far above it. Not barely above it. You understand there's a difference between far above and barely above. He is far above. Not only in this age but in anything that will be in the age to come. And notice verse 22. And has put all things, Father God has put all things under Jesus' feet and gave Him to be head over all things to the church. It goes on to say, to the church which is His body. To the church which is His body. We are the church. The church is His body. To the church which is His body, the fullness of Him who fills all in all. Okay? Now, Let's go to chapter 2, verse 4. Chapter 2, verse 4. You still with me? All right, you ready for this? Doom, 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 doom. Ready for this? All right. But God, come on now, who is rich in mercy. Aren't you glad God's rich in mercy? I mean, He's rich in a lot of things. He's very rich in a lot of things. Amen. But He's rich in mercy. But God, who is rich in mercy because of His great love with which He loved us. Why? Why did He do this? Why has He given us this? Why has He put us in this position? Because of His great love with which He loved us. But God, who is rich in mercy because of His great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, what has He done? He's made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. Now watch this, verse 6. It'll change your life if you let the Holy Spirit reveal it to you, okay? And raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Right now. Amen. Those of you who have been with us from the beginning maybe have a leg up on some of us who have not been with us from the beginning. So let's go to John chapter 3. Amen. Praise the name of the living God. Somebody said right now. Right now. Amen. Right now. See, see, people are so worried about, you know, oh, will I go to heaven when I die? Man, if you're born again, you're already there. You are already there. Wasn't that Rascal Flat song already there? I don't think it was about heaven, but you're already there. Am I right about it? Is the word right about it? Amen. Okay, so let's, uh, we got time for this. Amen. Now, I say it's one of the most important conversations that's ever taken place and recorded and reserved for our understanding. And you can thank your Heavenly Father and the Holy Spirit and a man named John the Apostle John, for this, okay? But it's the conversation that Jesus had with a man named Nicodemus, and we've been studying that some uh, in, in our morning classes at the Foundry, um, where in that course of that conversation, uh, Jesus said, you must be born again. Now, the conversation began, follow me carefully now, the conversation began with Nicodemus making a statement which he was really trying to figure out how to ask a question. And the statement goes something like this. I know God is with you, for no man can do the signs that you do. Signs meaning miracles, 
visible, tangible, verifiable, undeniable miracles. I know that God is with you because no man can do the signs that you do unless God be with him. Jesus responded by saying, you'll never see the kingdom of God unless you're born again. So what is Jesus saying? Jesus is saying, Nicodemus, it's not what you think. Because what you're seeing, the miracles that you're seeing, they're being produced in men's and women's lives because the king has come and he's brought his kingdom with him. Did they believe in miracles? Pharisees believed in miracles. But where were miracles? Miracles were in heaven, three heavens away, hard to access, very difficult to receive from. Jesus is saying, it's a new day, Nicodemus. I've brought the kingdom to the earth, but you'll never see it. It'll never make sense to you. Your eyes will never be open to it unless you're born again. This confuses Nicodemus. He's thinking only one-dimensionally. He's thinking that, how can a man be, uh, go back into his mother's womb when he's old? Jesus says, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Um, you must be born of water, and you must be born of the Spirit to enter the kingdom of God. So now he went from seeing it to entering into it and becoming a part of it. You must be born again. They went back and forth, back and forth, and then Jesus says, the wind blows where it wishes, where it listeth, okay? You hear the sound of it, but you don't know where it comes from or where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. What is, he, what is he doing? What is Jesus saying here? He's saying, Nicodemus, you're seeing visible miracles from an invisible kingdom, from an invisible source. I've said it so many times, you probably know what I'm about to say. I look out my back window, I see a tree moving. I don't think Sasquatch is in my backyard and shaking that tree. I know I don't see the wind, but I'm seeing the effect the wind is having on those branches. It's making them move. An invisible source producing a visible result. Jesus is saying to Nicodemus, Nicodemus, you're seeing visible signs. That's what a sign is. It's something you can see. But it's coming from a source that you can't see. But he didn't stop there. He said, so is everyone who is born of the Spirit. Meaning what? Every born again man or woman has the ability to produce visible signs from this invisible source. Then he says this to him. John chapter 3 and verse 12 he says, if I've told you earthly things and you do not believe, how will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? Now, let me try to give you the New Winslet International Version of this verse, okay? Nicodemus, up until this point, everything I've told you from my world, I've used something in your world to illustrate it. Every truth, every wisdom, every insight that I've brought to you from my world, from heaven, okay? I've told you a story, a parable, a comparable, okay? I've talked to you about a woman planting seed. I've talked to you about a man who had two sons. I've talked to you about a woman who, who lost a coin. I've, everything, I've talked to you about a pearl of great price. All of these comparables, parables. He says all of those things, see, are meant to take something from heaven and package it in a story from the earth and present it in a way that people can at least get close enough to it to, to grab hold of it by faith, okay? But here's the thing, are you ready? Not everything from God's world has something in our world that it, that, that it can be illustrated with. 
So when he says, if I've told you earthly things you do not believe, how will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? What is he saying? He's saying, I, everything I've told you, I've had some story to, to relate it to you, and you still haven't believed me. So what are you going to do with something from my world that there's nothing in your world that I can use to illustrate it with? That's the question, right? And then he says this. Are you ready? He says, no one has ascended. To ascend means to go up. No one has ascended to heaven, but he who came down from heaven, that is the Son of Man who is in heaven. I bet Nicodemus was as quiet as y'all are right now. <laughs> Can you imagine the look on his face? How he's scratching his head. He's already a little frustrated. Remember, he's a little, little, little flustered anyway. Um, what my grandson says, frustrated, right? He's already a little frustrated, right, uh, about all this. And so he's, he's like, uh, do what? You know what I mean? It does sound like a riddle, doesn't it? And here's the answer. Are you ready? Jesus was here, but he was there, which meant what? He's bridging the gap, and he's touching two worlds at the same time. He's on the earth, but while he's on the earth, he's in heaven. And he's become this channel, this bridge, this point of connection between heaven and earth. And he says, Nicodemus, no one's gone up but the son who came down. That is the son of man who's there right now. So is everyone. Let me, tell you, let me tell you when the church finally gets the job done. It's when we understand this verse right here. That we are not dependent upon our own abilities and earthly resources to do the job that God has given us to do. That we're here, but we're also there. I'm seated together with Jesus in the heavenly places far above all principality, power, might, and dominion. What does that mean? That means in the name of Jesus, they do what I say and they do what you say. Are you seeing this? Now, we've, we've it's taken us, what, two, two and a third classes to get here, okay? But are you seeing why this is important? Let's go back to it now, okay? God speaking. George, I've covered you. I've put my words in your mouth, George. I've covered you with the shadow of my hand, George, so that I, God, can plant the heavens but use you to do it, right? You see this. It's, how, about, how about all the verses that talk about us being co-laborers together with God? Amen. How about Jesus said, i got to be about my father's business, and now we're in the family business. What we do and how we do it and what we say and how we say it has tremendous influence and impact. First of all, watch now. Something you see that, that's visible, physical, tangible that you want it to change. There's a spiritual root behind the visible fruit. If you want it to change in the visible, physical realm, you've got to change it first in the invisible spiritual realm are you seeing this and until jesus gave us what he has given us and did for us what he's done for us we had limited at best limited and for the most part no effect or influence in that spiritual realm 
I, I shouldn't say that way. But again, you got to look at the Jewish people, and I don't know how many Jews are in this room or listening to me right now, but we were kind of outsiders on all that, right? But we're not outsiders anymore. We're not outsiders anymore. We're right in the middle of it. Whether we understand it or not, we're still right in the middle of it. Somebody tell me one time, say, Pastor Mark, I don't, I don't like all this preaching about warfare and, and, and spiritual warfare and all that stuff. I, 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 don't, I don't, you know, deal with all that. I don't get down with all that. It's like, it's like, it's like sister, whether you like it or not, you woke up in a war zone today, and you'll wake up in one tomorrow. And the last thing we can afford to do is let the devil take this battle more seriously than we take it, right? But we've got authority over him. We've got power over the devil in the name of Jesus. All right? One, one last passage, and I'll, I'll pray. Amen. 640. I wish sometimes we get on a roll in here, and I just wish we could just bring all the Wednesday night folks in here and just keep going, but we're not going to do that. Amen? For those of you who are in the morning classes, we usually say that right after about 45 minutes in there. We say we wish we could keep going. And so now we're an hour and 40 minutes in and wish we could keep going. But let's look at one more, okay? Psalm 103 and verse 19, all right? I pushed the wrong button. Let me get back to it. Psalm 103 and verse 19, all right? The Lord has established His throne in heaven, and His kingdom rules over all. Somebody say amen to that. That's true. That's so true, okay? So now, verse 20. Bless the Lord, you His angels, who excel in strength, who do His Word. Angels do the Word. They do the Word of God. Because they heed, are heeding, the voice of His Word. That word heed is really important. It doesn't just mean hear. It means to hear and respond to. It's one thing to hear. It's another thing to heed. Okay? It's one thing to hear a warning. It's another thing to heed the warning. To hear the warning means you can just keep on doing whatever you was doing and ignore it, but you still heard it. To heed it means to hear it and to respond to it. So now, we've talked so much about the, the, the demons in the lower heavens who ain't what they used to be after Jesus got through with them, all right? But now we've got this opening where the angels of God can move freely back and forth between heaven and earth, between your life and the third heaven. And notice now, that God's established His throne in heaven. His kingdom rules over all. Bless the Lord, you His angels, who excel in strength, who do His word, who hear and respond to the voice of His word. The voice of His word is different from His word. His word is His word. Who is, would you guess, maybe, is the voice of His word? That's you. Again, Put His words in your mouth. Cover you with the shadow of His hand so that He can plant the heavens, lay the foundations of the earth. Remember, that's, that's all these things that are out of alignment, that are out of course, that are not lined up with how God originally intended for them to be. It's not how they are in heaven, right? And say, in design, thou art my people. So when we plant the heavens with the Word of God, just like there are demonic spirits in the lower heavens, there are angelic spirits who, by the way, the book of Hebrews says, have been sent forth by God as ministering spirits to minister for, not just to, minister for. 
you understand there's a difference between somebody doing something to you versus somebody doing something for you. Okay? So notice now what happens. When we speak the word into the heavens, God's word in our mouths, His hand on our lives, we speak His word into the heavens, angelic spirits heed that word. Meaning what? Meaning they hasten. One, one passage says that they hasten to perform it. What does that mean? It means they hear it, they respond to it, and they take off to see that word carried out in your life right here on the earth. Amen. So let's say for those of us in the room that have children, okay? God's word says this about our children. All of my children are taught of the Lord and great shall be the peace of my children. You realize angelic spirits just heard me say that. And they respond to perform that word in the lives of my children. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. There are all kinds of spiritual weapons, demonic schemes and wiles and attacks and strategies that the devil plots and plans and tries to put in place against us. And yet we can blow them all up by speaking the word of God into the heavens that no weapon the devil forms against me will prosper. Ministering spirits sent forth by God to minister for me, minister on my behalf, go to work to thwart and cancel out and kick over and mess up weapons and strategies and devices that the devil is planning against me. You see how this works? I could just, we could go on for hours right here. Okay? 6.45. Man, I, I am so, I'm just, I'm thrilled. So let, 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 me, let me tell you what I know, and I'm going to pray, okay? This is what I know, all right? The enemy of your soul does not want you to know about this. He does not want you to know this. He wants you to keep on walling around, beating your head against the wall of religion. Why, God, why? When, God, when? You know, and Jesus is like, hey, if there's an obstacle in your way, tell it to get out of your way, and it'll obey you. Father, you're good to us. Thank you for this time together this evening. Thank you, Father, for your anointing upon your holy word that makes the difference in our lives. Father, it's not enough for us just to know about this, to hear about this, but Lord, help us and show us tangible, practical ways that we need to start today, tonight, putting this into practice in our lives for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, thank you so much for joining us tonight. We will see you next week for class number 16. Good things coming.